0: Please pray, please pray with me. Father, thank you that in this world where so much is fleeting, so much is temporary, so much is like those soap bubbles our children blow and reach out for and catch and pop. And yet we have just sung the great truth that you are forever mine because we are forever yours all by your grace it's amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me may that be the cry of our hearts this morning as we respond to who you are and what you've done on our behalf and now as we open your word and as we look into it together i pray that you would give us eyes to see jesus Ears to hear Jesus, minds to understand Jesus, hearts to love Jesus, knees to bow before Jesus. That we may leave this place thinking higher thoughts of Him and falling deeper in love with Him. Show us Jesus. In His name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It is good to sing with you. Those are some of my favorite songs this morning. It is... Good to be back with you this Sunday, and I invite you and encourage you to open your copies of the Scriptures, please, this morning to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 this morning, if you don't have a Bible with you, you will find a church Bible near you in the hymnal rack of the pew in front of you, or if you're sitting in the front row of a section, you'll find that uh, hymnal rack beneath you. As you're finding your place in God's Word, it's page 1009 in the Church Bible, let me just say a couple of things. It is good to have several guests with us this morning, and I want to begin by saying it is good to have our deaf ministry with us this morning. So I don't know a lot, I don't know a lot of American Sign Language, but I do know this. Hi, all right, so... (laughs) Good to have you. And I mean that they meet every Sunday on the opposite end of our building. And special thanks to Pastor Mark and Jan Coleman and for them leading this essential ministry. This is one of the key deaf ministries in the entire Chicagoland area. And it's housed right here in our facility. It's good to have you with you. Thank you. Good to have you with us. Thank you for being a part of our service today. And then today is. The We Love Police Day here at Bethel Baptist Church. Do we love police? Are we thankful for our police officers? And we do. we, We do have several officers with us this morning. We will probably have additional officers popping into the auditorium. Some of them may even be in uniform because they're on duty this morning. Don't worry. Everything's okay. They already have my address. They know where I live. They're not coming to take me away, I hope all right? But uh, we thank God for them. It is good to have you with us as well. We appreciate you. We love you. We pray for you. We are so thankful for your willingness to sacrifice so much and to your families for their willingness to sacrifice so much to preserve the safety of our community, our personal safety, and really to protect our freedoms just on a street level. And this Fourth of July weekend, we praise God. For the freedoms that we enjoy in America, amen? The freedom to gather this morning without fear of reprisal. The freedom to worship as we please. And we must remember that this freedom did not come without a cost. And so we praise God for the sacrifices that men and women have paid down through the centuries now to secure and preserve our freedoms here in America. Happy 4th of July weekend to you. And if you are a guest with us this morning, we thank you for being here. We love it that you're here. We've been working our way through the Gospel of Mark. That's in the New Testament. It's the second book in the New Testament. And in this Gospel, we see Jesus living his life on purpose, which means Jesus comes for a purpose a specific purpose. He is marching for 33 years. He is marching His way toward the cross. He has come to die. The Bible says he has, given, he has come to give His life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus now, we find Him in Mark chapter 12 as we've been working our way through Mark's gospel, verse by verse, paragraph by paragraph, we find ourselves in Mark 12 verse 38. And in this text, it's essential that we remember that Jesus is staring Down the cross. The cross is about 72 hours away for him. This is Tuesday of Passion Week. He's in the temple. He's teaching the people in some of his final hours, and in some of his final hours, he will say some of his most important things. So let's listen. Let's hear what God would have for us this morning as Jesus lives his life on purpose and calls us to join him in that, beginning in verse 38 of Mark chapter 12. And in Jesus' teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes, who like to walk around in long robes. They like, long, they like greetings in the marketplaces. They like to have the best seats in, synagogues, in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. They devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers so they will receive the greater condemnation. And then Jesus sat down opposite the treasury there in the temple. He watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which together make a penny. And He called His disciples to Him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the word of our God. Now the older I get... The more I find myself saying in illustrations that I'm about to share with you, in asking this question, how many of you remember when? That's when you know you're old, right? How many of you remember when you were in Sunday school as a child and your teacher would pass around something that looked like this? Everybody remember what this is? What is this? This is a plastic model or replica of a church building complete with a steeple with an open coin slot on the top. And our Sunday school teacher would pass this around the class to all the boys and girls, and we'd dig in our pockets after we had dug through our sofa. And we would put in pennies and nickels and dimes and quarters. And at first glance, it may seem that this scene in Mark 12 is all about that. But it isn't. And so this is not going to be a sermon that's primarily about money. And that's because the primary issue that we struggle with in life really isn't about money. The big issue is never our money. It's always our heart. It's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You want to know where your heart is? You want to know what you're all about? You want to know what you love? Just follow the money. It's a window to the heart. And in each of our hearts then, there is a connection between what we love and what we're willing to sacrifice for. And for us to really get how deeply that connection goes between what we love and what we sacrifice for, we've got to see that these seven verses in Mark chapter 12 are actually a part of a bigger story. Do you know we don't read the Bible like it's a dictionary? Don't read the Bible like it's a dictionary. How many of you somewhere at home, you still have a hard copy of a dictionary? All right, that's everybody who's over 50, okay? (laughs) The rest of you are like, why would I have a hard copy of a dictionary? I have Google. But you know that in a dictionary, two words can appear right next to each other, adjacent to each other, and be totally unrelated to each other, like the words zoo and zoom, Unless you're a part of the Fields family, when we used to go to the St. Louis Zoo and we lived downstate, and we, had, we were drive, dragging five kids through the zoo, and it would start to rain, and then we would zoom through the zoo to get back to the vehicle. Listen, there in the dictionary, you can have two words right next to each other, totally unrelated to one another, but that's not the case when you're reading the Bible, because the Bible is a story. And in a story, chapters and paragraphs connect the dots in the telling of that story, in the flow of that story. And that's what's happening right here in Mark chapter 12. What Jesus says about the scribes and the widow and the verses we just read is connected to what Jesus has just said to a scribe about the great commandment, about loving God with all our heart and all our soul, and all our strength, and all our mind, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And now Jesus is going to unpack that connection here. He's going to show us what the great commandment looks like in real life. That's why the big idea of this text is that we love genuinely by living sacrificially. We love genuinely by living sacrificially. And if we're going to do that and be that, there are going to be some things that we're going to have to embrace, and there are going to have to be some things that we're going to have to avoid. That's why Jesus leads off this text by saying in verse 38, beware of the scribes. Beware of the scribes. Now, if you weren't here last week, we spent a lot of time last week talking about the scribes. I'd encourage you to hop onto our YouTube channel and just watch what was said last week during this time about the scribes. The scribes are a part of the religious elite in Israel. They eat, drink, and sleep Old Testament law, and that's why they're considered the lawyers of the day. So they host podcasts and talk radio shows. They offer advice on legal matters and family problems and spiritual issues. They are the highly respected social influencers of Jesus' day. And on this Tuesday of Passion Week, that's also Passover week, So the temple is bustling here with lots of people, hundreds of thousands of people, as Jesus is teaching there in the temple. And when Jesus says, beware of the scribes, rather than honor the scribes, people are going to be taken aback. And he says, beware of the scribes, because there is a real danger here. So be on your guard. Don't just be aware of them. Beware of them. It's like the sign that I used to pass by each and every day when I walked home from school as a child in the small town of Adrian, Missouri, southern Missouri. And there was a sign that hung on the fence, the chain-link fence of a home on 3rd Street that read, Beware of the dog." And I was a kindergartner. I was first grade. You're like, you walked home from school in kindergarten and first grade? Yes, it was the 70s. That's what we did back then. And so I'd walk by this beware of the dog sign every day my way home from school. And it wasn't too long when I learned that it wasn't a dog to beware of. It was two dogs to beware of. Two big dogs cranky, I'm-going-to-take-your-leg-off kind of Doberman Pinschers. And each day, and they had a clock that went off in their head. Each day at the pre- precise moment I stepped onto the sidewalk that ran along their chain-link fence, they were there to greet me and to remind me that this was their sidewalk. I learned not just to be aware of their presence, but to beware of their presence. And that's what Jesus is saying about these scribes. They are a clear and present danger to the people of Israel because instead of loving genuinely by living sacrificially, they love pretentiously and hypocritically by using people rather than loving people. And Jesus gives us three characteristics here of these scribes. That he is encouraging us to avoid at all costs. And the first is this. Avoid being preoccupied with self. Avoid being preoccupied with self. Don't make everything all about you. Don't live for the love of the crowd, because these scribes actually would crawl out of bed in the morning. They would put on these special floor-length robes, white robes, so that everybody could easily identify them as holy men. But that's not all, because how many of you remember? There I go again, right? How many of you remember high school letter jackets? You remember letter jackets? How many of you owned a letter jacket in high school? All right? Seventeen of you, okay? That letter jacket, it had your school mascot on the back. It had your name above, the, above that mascot. And then you would get patches for lettering in baseball and football and basketball and track. You'd get patches for awards in music and theater and for being inducted into the National Honor Society. You could pretty much order a patch for anything. From student council president to football team water boy. Now, there was nothing wrong with letter jackets. I mean, we all had letter jackets. But there was with this letter jacket a temptation to make that into a kind of look at how athletic and smart and awesome I am kind of billboard. Look at me. And that's what these scribal robes had become for these scribes because because the scribes would attach tassels to the bottom of their robe and and the more tassels they had and the bigger the tassels were, the more honor and respect they would expect to receive. And so the point Jesus is making here isn't really about what the scribes are wearing. It's about why they're wearing what they're wearing. Jesus says they like the response they get from the crowd. they, They crave the prestige and the honor and the respect that comes with being identified as a holy man. So this is a heart thing. It isn't a robe thing. Because as they walk around decked out in their designer tassel robes, they expect people not just to notice them, but to respond appropriately to them. There was this unwritten rule in first century Israel that when a scribe passed by, if you were sitting, you'd stand, you'd kind of salute the scribe, and you'd say, Holy Rabbi, Most High Servant of the Most High God. These guys liked that. They loved that. They lived for that to be made much of. Even in the synagogues, where the people would gather for worship. These guys loved having the best seats in the synagogue. Now, if this were occurring in 21st century America in a Baptist church, let me ask you, where would the best seats be? You're like, please, Pastor Ken, don't say anything because I'm sitting in one of those best seats. They're the back, right? They're either back there or they're up there. You know where the cheap seats are in a 21st century American Baptist church? Down here. Now, that was all free. That's application. That's free, all right? I say that tongue-in-cheek. But with these scribes, this is where the best seats were. These were the seats that had reserved signs on them. They were right up front here. I mean, like, totally up front and center on the platform Facing the congregation. Elevated above the people. Not just to look out over the people, but to look down on the people. And so that the people could look up at them. These guys lived in the center of their world. And they wanted to live in the center of everyone's world. I want to acknowledge something to you this morning. I want to acknowledge that this is a real temptation for anyone who stands here on this platform, including me. I ask you to pray. I ask you to pray for the sake of my wife, for the sake of my children, for the sake of this church, for the sake of this community, for the sake of the cause of Jesus Christ. Please pray that God would guard my heart from becoming preoccupied with me, because I do spend a lot of times on Sundays and Wednesdays up in front of you all, and I'm not oblivious to the fact that within just 15 miles of our church facility, there have been well-known pastors who've given in to this temptation of being preoccupied with self. And although I don't have the communication skills they had or the popularity they had or preach to a congregation as large as they did, I am not immune. I am not above the temptation they they succumb to. So please, please pray for me that I would never crave these things these scribes do, not just in the synagogues. But notice, at the community feasts, so at like wedding receptions, these guys didn't have to, they didn't have to walk around looking for their name card or their table. They had their spot reserved at the table of honor. They were at the head table because they live for the love of the crowd. There's no deference to others. There's no sacrifice for others because there's no love for others. There can't be when it's all about me. That's pride. And pride is dangerous for two reasons here. One, pride is never satisfied. Pride is never satisfied. It's always looking for more. You know, pride never says, okay, that's enough. I'm good. I don't need any more attention or affirmation or recognition. No, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm full. I, I, I'm satisfied. That's enough. Thank you very much. No, pride is never satisfied. And two, pride never lives alone. Pride always has roommates, dangerous Roommates, Doberman Pinscher kind of roommates. And in this case, pride's roommate is greed. And so Jesus says if you're going to love genuinely by living sacrificially, you've got to be, to, to avoid being a taker rather than a giver. Don't be like the scribes who don't live to give, they live to to get, And notice how they're doing that. They're scamming widows, who in Jesus' day were easy prey. Back then, widows had to fight just to survive. There's no Social Security, there's no 401Ks, there's no 403Bs, there's no IRAs. And because the workforce is totally dominated by men during Jesus' day, a widow can't get a job even as a greeter at Walmart. And so when her husband dies, her income dies with him. And that's when we would expect these scribes, these religious leaders To step up and to step in in leading the charge to care for these widows because as James 1 verse 27 says as we read earlier this morning religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this visit the orphans and widows in their affliction in their need but the scribes aren't caring for widows instead They're exploiting widows. You see, when a husband died, often the widow would be forced then to mortgage her home for cash. And because this was a legal transaction, the widow would go to the scribes for legal counsel. And the scribes then would stand outside of her home and they would pray these really long public prayers in hopes of convincing that widow that they genuinely cared for her so that she would mortgage her home with them. And when she did, they, of course, became the legal owners of that home. And then often they would sell that home out from under her and pocket the proceeds. These guys are pretenders. They're pretending to care, pretending to love, pretending to be godly. And Jesus says, don't go there. Avoid being a spiritual fraud. A fake. A phony. Don't put on a show. God doesn't just dislike the show. He despises the show. And the scribes know that. They are the Bible experts of Jesus' day. They know what God has said about hypocrisy way back in Isaiah 29, verse 13. This people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. And so I need to ask this morning, is it really, really important to you that others celebrate you? Is it really, really important to you What others think of you, how they perceive you. Do you live for an audience of many or for an audience of one? You see, some professing Christians are so consumed with what others think of them and how others perceive them that they end up living in a prison of performance. And the problem with living in a prison of performance is that there's little room for anything or anyone else but you. There's little room for loving God and loving others. That's these scribes. And the kicker is they know better. They are sinning with their eyes wide open. And that's why Jesus says they will receive the greater condemnation. Listen, listen. A greater knowledge of the truth translates to a greater accountability for that truth. It's what we read earlier this morning. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. And so Jesus is saying here, scribes, scribes, your day is coming and it won't be pretty. You don't play games with God or with His people. You don't make a mockery of Him and the great commandment. You don't get away with turning love on its head and using and abusing people all in the name of God. Payday is coming. And then Jesus just sits down he lets those words just kind of hang in the air while he's looking for anyone who will show the disciples and us what genuine love really looks like. That it's defined by sacrifice. It's what we learn from the widow. Jesus sees the widow as he takes a seat somewhere probably incognito, kind of like the police officers we have here this morning where they are, you know, they are patrolling the streets and you know where the police officers sit when they're attempting to ensure that all of us are honoring the speed limit. (laughs) They sit kind of back out of the way. Kind of incognito, they don't want to be seen, they just want to see you. That's Jesus here. By the way, let me just say, I'm not picking on her, please. I have with me every moment of every day this bracelet, the thin blue line. And I've told our church family this before, that if God had not called me into ministry, I'd be sitting where you police officers are sitting this morning. I would be one of you. And that's Jesus here, kind of incognito, kind of out of the way. He's watching. He's taken a seat within eyeshot of the temple treasury there. Now, we've got four offering boxes here along our back wall. But the offering boxes in the temple were located in the court of women. So every Jew was welcome in the court of women, male, female, and these offering boxes were actually 13 trumpet shaped brass containers into which people would place their offerings. And as Jesus is sitting there, he sees many wealthy people stop and drop in some big time money. And waiting her turn in line behind them is a widow. All we know about her is that she's poor, we don't know her name. We don't know her story, although we suspect that she's one of the widows who's been scammed out of her home by the scribes, and she walks up to this trumpet-shaped offering box, and she drops in her two small copper coins, which together equal a penny, or about one sixty-fourth of a day's wage in that day, bringing it forward to today. That's about three dollars in today's money. It's not even enough to buy a biggie bag meal at Wendy's. But Jesus sees it. And Jesus loves it. He sees it all. Not just the smallness of her gift, but the bigness of her sacrifice. Her little is of greater value to Jesus than the much the wealthy have given because she gives everything. She gives all. And that's when Jesus turns to his disciples and says, Okay, guys, huddle up and listen up. Truly, I say to you. Now, anytime you see those words in the old King James, it was verily, verily. If you see truly, that means listen up. This is really, really important. So, guys, Jesus is saying, don't miss this. This poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. And I can just imagine the disciples chuckling a bit under their breath right here because obviously Jesus is having a bad day. His math is off. I mean, it's one of the really fun things we as parents do with our young children, right? In one hand, we'll hold out to them ten pennies. And in the other hand, we'll hold out to them two quarters. And we're trying to teach them Value. We're trying to teach them what things are worth. And so we say, which is worth more? Which do you want, the ten pennies or the two quarters? And let me ask you, 95% of the time, which do they choose? Come on, for this illustration to work, I need your help, all right? Which do they choose? They choose the ten pennies because there are more of them. Even though those ten pennies are worth Lots less than the two quarters. Is that Jesus here? Jesus having a bad math day? No, it's not that Jesus is mathematically challenged. It's that He knows something the disciples don't know. He knows that the two small copper coins are all this widow has. And so He says, "...the wealthy have contributed out of their abundance." But she has given out of her poverty. The rich gave what they would never miss. The poor gave what she could not afford. The rich gave some. The widow gave all. And that's what the great commandment looks like in real life. This is love for God and love for others. It's all about sacrifice. The scribes claim to know God and love God and represent God, but they aren't anything like God. They are takers, not givers, and they cause great hurt. The widow, though, is not a taker. She's a giver who gives even when it hurts. And in laying it all on the line, she's pointing us to Jesus, who will make the ultimate sacrifice in laying down His life, For her and for us. That's one of the reasons we're honoring our police today. Our officers, they put it all on the line daily. They are always ready and willing to sacrifice their personal well-being for ours. Their safety for ours. And if necessary, they're willing to sacrifice their life for ours. They give so much and yet are recognized so little. And they're always willing to give more, even if it means giving all. It's what one of our church members has written in a thank you note to our police officers. We'll be, I'll, I'll be presenting our police officers here with 75 thank you notes written by our church family. Next time we do this, we're going to have to order more because we ran out. Here's what someone has written. I don't know who this is, but it's it's so, so good. It is a dangerous world. Thank you for your courage in putting yourself on the front line daily and nightly. Your work is hard. The cost is great for both you and your family. I value your passion to see justice, your dedication of service and sacrifice for others. I pray for you and your family. Prayers for wisdom. Protection and much blessing. Our police officers do daily what this woman, this widow, does. They point us to the greatest sacrifice ever made, they point us to Jesus. The one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The one who came to give himself up for us by laying his life down for us. And the big question is, why did Jesus do that? Why? Because we were in trouble. Big trouble. Life and death trouble. You see, sin had taken us captive and was leading us straight to hell when in steps Jesus between us and our sin, between us and our hell, between us and our death. And Jesus takes our sin and He tastes our hell and He rescues us from our sin and our hell by taking our place and dying our death, all of it as a sacrifice for us. This is our Jesus. That's why Isaiah 53, verse 5 says this He was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds, in His death, we are healed, we are freed, we're forgiven. Jesus came to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. He came for to, to be for us what we could never be ourselves. That's why He must die. He must take the penalty for our sins upon Himself as the perfect, holy, sinless Son of God. He must pay it all, and He has. And that's good news because it means that there's nothing left for us to pay. Amen? Jesus paid it all. And that's why salvation is always and only all of grace. Undeserved. Unearned. Unworked for. Because he did it all. That's why Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 say that you've been saved by grace and through faith. Not of yourselves. It is a gift of From him, not of works, lest any of us should boast. But the one who paid it all left nothing for us to pay. His sacrifice was complete, it was sufficient. He lays down his life for us so that when we come to him in faith, we are forgiven, we are loved, we are freed, and we are guaranteed. A home in heaven. Would you come to Jesus? Right now, just by faith. Believe. Repent of your sins and turn to the one who died and rose again for you. And when you do then, when you trust in Jesus by grace alone, through faith alone, there are three takeaways for all of us to take home today after the picnic. From this text, the first is this. Living sacrificially makes much of God rather than us. Makes much of God rather than us. This is the big contrast between the scribes and the widow. The scribes like to be made much of. The widow wants to make much of God because when she gives all she has, who will she have to trust in and depend on to meet her everyday needs? You know, I can just imagine one of her friends standing in this line behind her when she opens her coin purse and pulls out all she has, those two copper coins, and her friend says, Whoa, 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 Sally. Sally. You should probably think twice about putting in both coins. In fact, you should probably think twice before putting in one coin. If this is all you have, and if you give all you have... Then what are you going to do? And I would love to think that Sally the widow turns around and says, I'll keep doing the same thing I was doing before I had these two coins. I'll keep trusting God to provide for me. Listen carefully. If we wait until we can afford to love genuinely by living sacrificially, we never will if we wait for the stars to align and for the circumstances to be perfect, to love genuinely by living sacrificially, we never will. The point Jesus is making here isn't that we give away every last penny, but that we live open-handedly, that we love sacrificially with our spouse and our children and our parents and our co-workers and our neighbors and with one another right here in this room. We give not just some of what we have, but everything we are in loving one another, because in doing so, we are loving God. And when we give our all in loving Him, we make much of Him and His promise in Philippians 4 verse 19, that my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So the question is, do we believe what God has said? Do we believe what He has promised? Because secondly, living sacrificially isn't measured in how much we give, but in how much it costs us. Jesus isn't making much of the amount the widow gives. He's making much of what her giving costs her. And that's good news because that means that every single person in this room can love genuinely by living sacrificially because God is looking at the giver and not the gift. He's looking at the sacrifice and not the surplus. He's looking at the heart and not the wallet. You see, living sacrificially isn't just about giving our time or our stuff or our money. It's about giving ourselves as an expression of our love for God and others. And we can do that when we believe that, thirdly, living sacrificially is all about taking the long view on life. The long view on life. Listen, if this life is all there is, If there is nothing but nothingness beyond the grave, then living sacrificially is a colossal waste. But if there is life beyond the grave, if heaven is real, and God's Word makes it clear that it is, then we have an eternal reason to love genuinely by living sacrificially. That's why a missionary named Jim Elliott and his four buddies were willing to lay down their lives in taking the hope of Jesus to the unreached Aka tribal people in South America. And not long before their lives were taken by the people they came to love and reach, Jim wrote this in his diary, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So Bethel, on this day that we honor our police, let's be a people who take that long view on life and let's live sacrificially like Jesus because we've been loved genuinely by Jesus. That's why Ephesians 5 verse 2 says, Walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We are loved by Jesus, not just in this life, but forever. He is why we genuinely love. He is why we sacrificially live. And he is why it's never about the money. It's always about the heart. Amen. Father, may you take your word and apply it to our hearts and our lives. I know that there are some in this room who have yet to become followers of Jesus. They're not children of God by grace. And I pray that right now, right here, that you would open their hearts and open their eyes to the truth of why Jesus did what he did in dying on the cross. Out of love for us, as a sacrifice for us, to pay it all for us. And I pray, Lord, that people would turn to Jesus right now and be saved from their sins. And then those of us who are Christians, I pray that we would count the cost. I pray that we would love genuinely by living sacrificially, not to earn your favor, but because you have already shown us favor in and through Jesus. As we follow Jesus now, in his name I pray, amen.